live in fear, but we have to live in faith. Exactly. Exactly. So today, um, this is entitled, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. And this is from the Beatitudes. And what's interesting about this particular statement that Jesus made in Matthew 5, 9, is he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. It's the only beatitude that he links the peacemakers to children of God. Leona and I uh, uh, did a teaching a few months back where we talked about, and this was out of 2 Corinthians, we talked about that God has made us ministers of reconciliation. And so what I want to do is I want to first start out by reading that scripture from 2 Corinthians. Because to be a minister of reconciliation really means that to bring peace to a situation. And most of you know, or all of you know, that we're living in times where there is no peace. People are not living in peace. People do not have peace. But we have been called to be peacemakers. So what I'm reading now is out of 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, starting with verse, I guess I'll put my glasses on, see what I'm reading. Verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and we hope that it's plain to you also. We're not trying to commend ourselves again to you, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry. Started wrong. Go down to verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is a new creation, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here, and all this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he is committed to us, you and me, the the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. So we're talking about being peacemakers. So 
So the question is, how do we, as Christ followers, in the year 2017, be peacemakers? And as most of you know, with everything that's going on, with protests of the flag and different issues we have going on in Washington, like I said, there's no peace. And so it's interesting because people that I've known, Christ followers that I've known, you know, what happens in the world I expect to be out in the world. You know, we kind of talked about that last week, right? Because those are in the world, right? The whole world is under the condemnation of <coughs> sin and the devil. So whatever happens out in the world, you shouldn't be surprised by that. But what surprises me is what happens inside the church. What surprises me is that how easy we that are called by the name of Christ begin to get wrapped up in the things that are going on, whether it be Washington, whether it be anthem protests, whatever, that we get so wrapped up in it. See, because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a view that they want to express. But as people of God, as those that have been called out of the world, okay, we should have a different viewpoint and a different mindset. So, the first question I think we ask as peacemakers is do we ourselves have peace? Right? Because if I understand that God's calling me to be a peacemaker and God is calling me, whatever that sphere of influence that God has put you in, that God is calling me to go out and to be somebody that is a peacemaker, an example of what a peacemaker looks like, that's going to be really hard to do if I don't have peace myself. Right? And the question also becomes, are we living in peace with God? Because, and I was thinking about this, I went to a dear brother's house last night and had dinner with him and his wife, and he talked about the persecution that he was suffering in the church. Not outside of the church, but in the church. And he was suffering that persecution because there were deceptions going on in the church that people weren't seeing. And so he wasn't coming and sticking a finger in somebody's face. He was like, hey, there's kind of stuff that's going on here that is a brother in Christ. You would want me to come and say something to you. And in love as your brother, I just want you to look at this these scriptures and you tell me if you see the same thing that I see. And if you don't, and if I'm in error, correct me. I'm not coming to bring any kind of judgment against you. But what came at him was, oh, well, you've got a spirit of legalism and you're being judgmental. And basically these people a week before who were hugging and loving him the next week he comes to church, they don't want anything to do with him. 
reason I bring that up is because as people of God, we have to be people of the word and we have to be people who obey the word of God. Okay, because if we're going to be peacemakers and if we're going to look at ourselves and have peace with God, don't we want God to search our hearts? Don't we want God to tell me the truth of where I am? Because I don't want to come to church and play games. I don't want to come to church and say, hey, brother, everything's okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I got sin in my life. I have things that brother, the other brothers and sisters can see, and I don't want to give them permission to speak into my life and say, hey, you know what? I see some things here in you that you may want to check. And we're like, oh, no. No, I don't receive that. That's a spirit of judgment. That's a spirit of legalization. That's a spirit of condemnation. And these are mature brothers and sisters that are saying that. Instead of doing like the Spirit of God would want you to do, I know you and I trust you as a brother. I'm going to go into my prayer closet and see if the things that you're saying are really right. Because we can really deceive ourselves. And so like these brothers that turned on my brother, and he told me what was going on in the church, and it was blatant. So my question was, God, how was that? How was he able to see that? But they weren't. Okay. We can be deceive ourselves. We do that in marriage relationships all the time. We do that. Just about every relationship. Sorry. All righty then. Yeah. thing because how many times in relationships are we judging whoever our parents our kids our spouse our other significant um, people in our life because they're not they're not doing life the way we feel that they should do it according to our understanding of how we feel that God says You know, I mean, Joe's talking about, I mean, we, Ron and I have been kicked out of church. I mean, like, literally. We were on a pastoral um, staff. We were working with the kids at the time. We felt that we needed to be working with adults, and the pastor felt that um, we were not hearing from God because he felt that we needed to be with the kids, and we felt we needed to be with marriages, so we were disinvited. I'm sorry? They're lost our game. But but the deal is is that we are all judgmental people. But are we seeking our own heart first? I love what Joe is bringing out. If this if it, I mean Joe's talking about an outside brother in an outside situation, well we gotta bring it home. Exactly. And my point is, are we humble enough before the Lord? <clears throat> Are we not so set up in what we think ought to be going on that we can't go to the cross on our knees and say, Lord, I need you to search me. I need you to search me and I need you to speak to me and I need you to show me 
the hard things that are in my life that I need to change. Because I have news for you. You keep wearing that mask and thinking that everything's cool and we're, you know, everything's just fine. You got a whole destiny you're going to miss. Because God's going to be going, when you go this way, you're going this way. You think everything's just fine. And I'm telling you that because I love you as brothers and sisters. I'm telling you that because I have to get on my face all the time before the Lord because I don't trust. I have to go to this word and look at that and say, God, let me let the word be a mirror to me and show me those places where I'm wrong. So back to what I was talking about in terms of peacemakers. Do you have peace with God? I mean, really, don't play any games. Don't say, oh, well, you know, we're cool and everything. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're not. I want to read James, the third chapter, verses 13 to 18. Uh, James 3, verses 13 to 18. And it says, Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you bitter, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is unearthly, excuse me, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will have disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So if you're going to be a peacemaker, as you can tell from that scripture, we all have work to do. Right? We don't ever arrive until we get to heaven. So Ron and Jean, Leona and I, Leona's my wife, did you guys never see this? Right? <laughs> right? Ann and Dave. Because God has called us to be in front of you doesn't absolve us from any of that. As a matter of fact, James says, a lot of you shouldn't even want to be teachers because you need to know that you're judged more strictly. Because see, I can't get up here and tell you something that I'm not actively trying to work in my life. That's number one. Number two, I can't get up here and pretend to you that I got all this figured out. That I have this all together and somehow me having it together qualifies me to be up here or qualifies Gene to be up here, or Ron to be up here. None of that qualifies us. 
Because we can tell you most of the time we were scared to death when God was saying, oh, I want you to do such and such. Really? And so what I'm telling you is that all of us have been called to be peacemakers. Peace starts first with you having peace with God, with you being able to go to God and being honest about that and having the desire to be a peacemaker. Because the world needs peacemakers. The world needs what you have. We talked a, a couple weeks ago, all of you have been brought here at, at a time and a season. You're not here by accident. You're not here just to kind of hang around till you know, Jesus comes back, right? You're here for a time and a season. You're to live life with intentionality. Sorry, I'm super thirsty. Okay, so let's look at a couple of other scriptures. And then we're going to go on to what a peacemaker is and what a peacemaker is not. So first scripture is Philippians 4. verses 4 to 7. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. With anything else, when God calls us to do something, the first thing we have to do is get on our knees and say, you know what, God? First thing I'm going to admit is I don't have what it takes. Okay. I don't have what it takes. God calls us to be a peacemaker. If we're not walking in the, in the power and the confidence and the spirit of God, you can go and try and be a peacemaker. But I guarantee you, real quick, you're going to get sucked up into whatever it is you're trying to be a peacemaker in. So I was saying, uh, I went on Facebook a couple of days ago, and some Christian brothers and sisters that I know, right? You know, and people post, and oh, you know, this and that, and you know, I, I agree with this, I agree, you know, so, you know, social media is people just post whatever. So I started looking to, at the like replies. I'm like, oh, I know this person, and that person, and that person. And I'm like, really? That's what you think? Really? That's the position you take? See, because here's the thing. In anything that we do as peacemakers, right, whether we are talking about trying to be peacemakers in our homes with our spouses, with our children, with our co-workers, with our, our friends. If we're really peacemakers and we, we understand that that's what we've called to, the first question that we should ask is, well, God, what do you, how do you feel about the situation? What's your view on this? That means I have to be a person of the word, right? Because if somebody is going to say, such and such and such a thing, or such and such and such a, such a thing, I have to know that because I'm a Christ follower, 
and I'm a minister of the gospel, which all of you are, and you're also ministers of reconciliation, I can't just like go and just spout an opinion. Now I may have an opinion about something, but I have to go check my opinion against what God thinks, right? Because my opinion, I'm representing Christ. I'm representing a minister of the gospel. I'm representing a minister of reconciliation. I can't just jump out there and start taking sides. You understand what I'm saying? Because the only side that you should be taking is Christ's side. The only view that you should be putting out there is Christ's view. Because here's the thing. I don't care what country you come from. I don't care where you live or reside. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven first. First. And trust me, I love America. I'm a veteran. I went, hey, I love America. I think America's the greatest country in the world. But I'm a citizen of the kingdom first. So if I'm going to open my mouth, if I'm going to give an opinion, if somebody's going to ask me for an opinion, if I'm not sure of God's view on that, I'll just have to tell a person, hey, you know what? Thanks for your opinion. I'll get back to you. Right? And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to go and say, thus says the Lord in, you know, James such and such. This is what the Lord says. I don't have to do that. Now, if our relationship is a way that I can do that, and I've been talking to that person, and that person's in Christ, I can do that. But one of the other things we need to learn is, we need to learn to take the truths of God, and we need to learn to speak that in places where there are not Christ followers. Because I venture to say that all of us have a lot of relationships where people are not Christ followers. And as soon as you say Jesus, that wall is going to come up. As soon as you say God, that wall is going to come up. That's why God wants you to be strategic. Because see, I can go into a place and I can begin to speak truth. And I can begin to speak the spirit. And I can, be, I can begin to speak the things of God and never, ever mention a scripture. But God knows that I'm, I'm, I'm actually engaged in warfare at that particular moment using the things of God, using the words of God, using the spirit of God, and those people don't have a clue what's going on. Because it's not important that they have a clue to what's going on. What it is is many times people, when they hear truth, they'll agree with it. Now, if you attach Jesus' name to it, and well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. But if I go into a place and I say, you know what? I believe that every human being has a right to be treated with dignity, to be treated with respect, regardless of what their opinion is, regardless of what their sexual orientation is, regardless of whatever, I believe that. That is 100% that is scriptural. But you find me one person and I'll say, no, I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. 
Nope, some people are created better than others. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Even if they were thinking that, they wouldn't say it to you. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is that's strategic. That's strategic living. That's strategically going into a place and saying, you know what, God, I'm here for you. I'm here to do whatever I can. I'm here so that I can set things up that if somebody just opens their mouth and asks me for the reason that the, uh, the hope that I have, then I'm going to give them Jesus because you asked me, right? And they may go, oh, wow, that's really good, whatever. But you know what, right? See, I know that in the spirit realm, right, I'm advancing the things of the kingdom. And I can advance the things of the kingdom, and I don't have to speak Jesus out of my mouth. Now, it doesn't mean I'm afraid, because you mean, oh, well, you're afraid to speak Jesus and all. That's being strategic. That's right. Because unfortunately, I'll just be honest with you, that we in the church have done a really bad job with giving Jesus, right? And we go out there and we're, we're Jesus lovers and somebody comes by and go, I don't have time for you, don't want you to look at you. Oh, that's how people, that's, those are people of God. That's how they treat people, right? So we come along and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Like, no, I know all about your Jesus. Don't need to hear about it. And so-and-so three years ago, when I was down and whatever, so-and-so turned his back on me, so-and-so did what this, this, and that. And you come along in the spirit of goodness and the spirit of truth and try to help that person. I'll be like, nope, I know all about you, Jesus. Don't want to hear about it. Okay. Let's look at another scripture. And, you know, I'm... I'm I think most of you guys know me. Um, I speak the way that I speak because we got opportunity. We got opportunity to do so much for the kingdom. John 14, 27. This is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The kind of peace that we carry is not the kind of peace that the world gives. Right? It's not the kind of peace that the world gives. We carry the peace of God knowing that we've been reconciled with God. We're in the family. We are eternal beings. Speaking of eternal, let me give you a, let's do a practical example here of the kingdom. Okay, so here's my practical example. Now I'm talking about us being eternal beings, right? Okay. So imagine this whole building, this whole entire building is eternity, right? Can you see the tip of this ballpoint pen? Some of you are going, I can't even see the pen. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I can barely see the tip of the pen. The tip of this pen represents your life. 
re represents the length of your life as compared to eternity, which is represented by this whole entire building. Okay. Our time is short, but we are eternal beings. We carry, we will, we are not only in peace, but we will be with God for, you know, scripture says to God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, okay, if that's the case, that means hypothetically a year for me, right? It's like 365,000 years, right? And 10 years would be like three points, you know, 3,650,000 years. So I was like, wow, that's, that's some perspective. And you're talking about eternity. And what I love about Paul is Paul always looked at things with an eternal perspective. And we have to do the same thing also. We have to look at life with an eternal perspective. And when we do that, we know that the time that we're here is very short, but it needs to be very focused. Let's go to Colossians. I'm going to start wrapping this up. This is Colossians, the third chapter, verses 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, word or deed, right? It's that idea of giving thanks. It's that idea of being a peacemaker in where you've been brought. Okay, so let's get to some practical things here. Okay, so what is a peacemaker and what is not a peacemaker? So let's start with this. What a peacemaker is not. A peacemaker is not a people pleaser. Okay, someone who is a people pleaser is more concerned about avoiding confrontation or wanting to be liked more than promoting peace through truth or boundaries. Okay. So if I'm in a situation, whether it is spouse, family, friends, co-workers. It's not about me trying to make people happy with me. Okay? That's not a peacemaker. Because sometimes a peacemaker 
has to tell people something they don't want to hear. And just to let you know, they're not going to like it. So you have an advantage that many don't have because you have been acquainted with the things of God and you've been acquainted through this class with relational care and those things that relationships need. The places that God sends you to go to be a peacemaker, those people don't have that. Okay, they don't have that. If we look at our own lives, if I look at my own life, before I came to Christ, I was insecure. I had rejection issues. So my relationships were all screwed up. And so I had to find a way to cope. So the way I found to cope was I put on a mask. And I would wear a mask so that when you saw me, you would think, oh, Joe's a great guy. Joe's okay, but Joe wasn't. Joe was really screwed up. And so while I could fool everybody else, I couldn't fool my wife, because I would come home and she would go, what's going on? And I wore a mask with her. And guess what? When you wear a mask with other people, and you wear a mask with those close to you, you always so wear a mask with God. Because that's actually where we started off when we talked about being deceived. Right? Because it's too painful to deal with. And I have no way to deal with that. Those are the kind of people that you're dealing with. So when you go to be a peacemaker, don't expect that, okay, I'm going to be a peacemaker and everything's going to be just fine. No, it's not. I'm just going to break that to you now. It's not. Okay? They may not want anything to do with you. They may not want to talk to you. They want to keep wearing the mask. Right? But you still have to be a peacemaker anyway, because that's what God called you to do. So you have to learn how to be a peacemaker. You have to learn where you can speak truth into somebody's life and how to speak truth into somebody's life. And here's the thing. If it doesn't change your life, that's not your responsibility. The second thing a peacemaker is not, is a peacemaker is not an enabler. An enabler allows somebody not to take personal responsibility for their own actions or suffer the consequences of their actions. Because that's another thing people think that a peacemaker is. Change is hard. Growing is hard. Looking at your faults, looking at your weaknesses, looking at the places where your hurt and pain are keeping you from growing, it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. It's not easy. You can't do it. That's the whole point. You can't do it by yourself. It's why humility is so important. 
Because when I looked at myself and I saw that rejection was tearing my marriage apart, was separating me from my kids, was separating me from my destiny to God, that was really hard. That was extremely hard. And I had to be broken. I had to go before the Lord on my knees and be broken in humility and say, God, I don't have it. I don't have it to work out the rejection. I don't have it to work out the insecurity. And God goes, I know. I've been waiting for you this whole time. Because God's a patient God. If you don't learn it in five years, if you don't learn it in 10 years, if you don't learn it in 20 years, guess what? God's not going anywhere. He's got eternity. But guess what? He's always going to be. Because see, God doesn't want to leave you where you're at. So the heat's going to start turning up. For me, the heat turning up was my marriage was falling apart. And I'm not saying that God was ruining my marriage, but there are consequences, and Ron and Jean have taught this many times. Every choice, every decision in life has a consequence, whether it is good or bad. So my consequence of not wanting to deal with my own pain, not wanting to deal with my insecurities, my consequence was my marriage was falling apart. I wasn't God's. I don't go to God. Oh, God, why is my marriage falling apart? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you ruining my life? All I wanted to do was just follow you, and then now everything's falling apart, and it's all your fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. And that's hard for some of us to hear, but we need to hear it. 2 Peter 1.3, every God has given you, through his divine power, everything you need for life and godliness. He's given you everything that you need. But if I'm stubborn, if I say no, I don't have a problem, I want to wear the mask, I don't want to do that, I don't want to face the pain, God is like, okay. But I told you in 2 Peter 1.3, I have everything that you need. Now, if you don't want to, and this is Joe, not God, don't come crying to God. Now, you notice I preface that, right? Because God won't do that. Right? Because you can mess up your life for 40 years and finally get it together, and God will be right there. He also won't tell you you could have fixed that 30 years ago. <laughs> he won't tell you that. Joe will tell you that. <laughs> In love. Because I don't want you to wait 30 years. I don't want you to wait 10 years. I don't want you to wait 5 years. I don't want you to wait 1 year. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's only you that's stopping you from the things of God. That's where we have to get to. It's only you. It's not God. It's not the devil. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not the guy across the street. It's not your mother. It's not your father. I'm not saying that those things didn't, weren't traumatic. But here, today, 2017, in this room, you have the choice. Jesus died on the cross to give you the power of choice so you don't have to stay where you're at. And if you stay where you're at, it's because you want to stay there. We got to see the truth. Nothing to do with what's going on on the outside of your life. Third thing that a peacemaker is not. 
Peacemaker is not an appeaser. An appeaser wants to keep the peace at any cost, normally out of fear of abuse, confrontation, or rage. Or rage. And I speak this specifically to marriages. Because we get in, and this is just fact of life. Sometimes we get in toxic relationships. Sometimes we get in relationships that didn't start out toxic and they turn toxic. We get into relationships where people have had a lot of hurt and pain and things that they just don't know how to deal with. And sometimes if you're a spouse, that those things get turned on you. In those situations, calls for great care, wisdom, And it calls from godly counsel, from mature brothers and sisters in Christ that can help you through that. Okay? Because here's the thing. You're not at a place to bring peace when you're just trying to survive. You're not at a place where God can start doing some work in that relationship if you don't have the courage to at least be, to begin to bring other people into the situation. Okay? And I'm saying that because those situations are myriad. One thing I've learned in life is there's no black and white. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of shades of gray. But we do know this. You can't stay in an abusive relationship and something not happen in that relationship. God doesn't want you, God does not want you staying there. And what I'm saying about God doesn't want you staying there, I'm not saying that, you know, whatever that situation is, what I mean is God does not want you to stay right there. He wants you to get some help. He wants you to be able to reach out to your brothers and sisters. That's why we're here. And people, let me tell you, that's why we're in community. As your brother in Christ, you need to know that you have the safety to be able to come to me or to come to Gene or to come to Leona and say, look, this is not right what's going on. This is, not, this is not what this should be. I need some help. And that's what, that's what, that's what community is about. That's what relationship is about. When I, you know, we don't come to church, hey brother, how are you doing? Oh, everything's fine. Everything's just great. 
and you had to run out of your house last night because the spouse was throwing dishes because they were in a rage. I know because that kind of stuff's happening in my own family. I got my own family members that are going through that same thing. And they're Christians. And they go to church every Sunday. Hi, how's everything? And they come home and they come to family dinners. Oh, yeah, everything's fine. And I'm looking at them right in the face. I'm going, no. I know that everything's not fine. You know everything's not fine. You're wearing the mask. I'm not going to play the game with wearing the mask because I know. Right? But they want to play the mask. They want to put the mask up. And it's like, you're not living God's best. You can't live there. You can't enable somebody to live in their sin. You can't enable somebody to walk around with hurt and pain that's destroying your family. You can't live there. Ooh, this is hard. Man, I'm serious. This is, this is, I don't know if it's hard for you, but it's hard for me. Okay, what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker is an encourager. So from what I read you in, when we first started 2 Corinthians, in terms of how we no longer look at people from a worldly point of view. An encourager sees every person is made in the image and likeness of God. You need to see everyone you encounter as God sees them, a person who is loved by God and wants them to experience love and grace, hopefully leading them to repentance in their rightful place in the family of God. We have to see them that way. Neighbor, friend, whoever. We have to see them that Christ died for them. Christ wants them to be in the family of God. It's why God says, I wish that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Why don't they? Not because God doesn't want them to. Because they make the choice whether they do or they don't. But that's not God's heart. God's heart is he wants all to come. So we have to, in our efforts as peacemakers, we have to see people like that. We have to see beyond the faults because we understand that we were like that. Right? We were like that. There were times that we didn't want God. You know, first time somebody came up and said, oh, you know, Jesus loves you. And you're like, okay, signed up. No. How many times did somebody come after you? You're like, I don't want anything to do with God. God, I don't want anything to do with that. Stop talking to me about that. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about how Jesus loves me because my life is messed up and if Jesus loved me, my life would be messed up. So stop talking to me about that. Right? But God plans to see. And at some point, you are ready to hear the gospel. You're willing to accept it. That's why Paul said, you know, in the ministry, I don't go to other places and plant where seeds already been planted. Because one plants, one waters, but God makes it grow, right? So your, your, your assignment is to plant seeds, right? Your assignment is to plant seeds. 
Because guess what? It may take, like me, it may take 30 seeds, right? But see, somebody like way, 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 way back planted a couple seeds, and somebody else came along, planted a couple more seeds, a few years went by, somebody came by, planted some more seeds, somebody came by, sprinkled a little water on it, somebody else came by, sprinkled a little bit of water on it, and then one day, somebody comes up and goes, hey, would you like to accept Christ? Yeah. Now, that person may have been feeling really good. Wow, look at that. Woo, wait, I just went up, just shared Christ with that person. Like, boom, right there. I got it all together. I'm just, I'm just like, everybody I go to, woo, I'm just like, you know, share God. Bang, look at that. I got the anointing. Right? Start laying hands on people. I got the anointing. Right? I ain't sorry. <laughs> no, no. You know, Miss Mabel from across the street back in 1972 said, You know what, Sonny? I think one day you're going to make a good minister in the Lord. Oh, Miss Ava, I don't want to hear that. You know, Frank, my co worker, five years later. Hey, Joe, you want to go to the Bible study with me? Nah, I don't think so. Let me tell you what he, God did for me. Yeah, that's fine, but he's not doing anything for me. Right? So Miss Mabel planted a seed. Frank, my co-worker, planted a seed. Somebody else planted a seed. Right? That's how it works. Because that scripture said, but God makes it grow. Right? Second thing a peacemaker is, is, ooh, I've got to wrap this up is a speaker of life. Learn to speak good and truth during trials. Speak hope and positive outcomes. Learn to speak biblical righteousness into people's situation without necessarily using scripture. We kind of went over that a little bit. But learn how to speak life, right? You're gonna come into people's lives, this is hopeless. I don't see how this is ever gonna work. I don't see how this is gonna ever turn out. Have courage. You know, things will turn out. You know, I believe in you. I believe in you. I know you. I believe in you. I believe that you can overcome this. I believe that better things are in that for you. I believe that. Do you know how much hope that comes up? When you walk up to somebody and say something's hopeless and you tell that person, you know what? I believe in you. I believe that you can do that. I, can be I believe that you can overcome that. Lastly, speak from a kingdom perspective. Speak as a citizen of the kingdom of God and not from a world-driven perspective. In every situation, ask Jesus, what is your perspective on this situation? And if you're not sure, don't comment. You, know? you don't have to give somebody an answer every time they ask you something right there. You know, learn to walk in discernment. Everybody know what discernment is? Spiritual discernment? Spiritual discernment is the ability to, I can walk into a room, you can walk into a room, and you can ask God to see what's going on spiritually behind the scenes. <coughs> 
And spiritual discernment is something that God will give you. You have to desire it, but you have to be also a student of the word. You got to, you know, you got to be in your word. And I don't mean that you have to be a seminary student. I just mean that, you know, you got to pick up your Bible and read it, you know, at some point. Right? And just and just ask God, because that comes from a desire in us. And all of us should have this desire to be world changers. And when people hear world changers, they go, oh, wow, you know, change the whole world. No. Let's just try to change this world right here. Let's just try to change this world right here. And God will use us. God, God wants to use every one of us in a great way. And not great according to what we think is great, great according to what he thinks is great. If we have the desire to do that. But we gotta be humble. We gotta look at ourselves in the mirror. We gotta take this word. We gotta look at ourselves. And we have to have a desire to live intentional lives. Intentional lives. Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this word. I thank you for these people. God, I thank you because you love us so greatly. I thank you because you have so much more for us that I think that we even comprehend, and sometimes it might be scary. For your word says, I has not seen ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. God, that's huge. That's like, I can't even comprehend that. But God, I pray, as all of us pray right now, that God, with our whole hearts, we want that. God, we're not so in touch with ourselves. We're not so ground, earthly grounded that all we can think about is what's around us and, and, and those things, God. But we look toward a God that says, I have so much greater for you. I have so many things for you to do. I have deep things for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody in this class desires the deeper things of God. The deeper things of God. That, Father, that they will see the hand of the Lord move in the land of the living. And that, God, that they will be a part of it. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I, I pray that, Lord, that this group begin to have dreams and visions and revelations from the Lord. That they would see their lives the way that you see it. That they would see their work the way that you see it. That you, they would see their relationships the way that you see it. That they would see their hopes and their dreams and their visions the way that you see it. And that God, that they will fulfill the destiny of their lives, the reason that you have called them to earth for. And I thank you, God, and I pray that you would show them the immense 
love and grace of Christ. That no matter where they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what they haven't done, that your love and your grace are not conditional. We love you more than words can say. And it's to you, through you, and for you that we were created and all things were created. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.